House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. And I'm delighted to say that we have Mark Anthony on the show this evening. And I've had the real pleasure of interviewing Mark before. And subsequent to that, you have been majorly busy. Welcome, Mark, to the show. Uh, thank you, Julie. It's really great to be here. So last time I spoke to you, we were talking about, you know, obviously uh, about your ability, how that's developed, what you bring to the table, the conflict between being known as, and because you are actually an accredited, you are a qualified attorney in, in, in the US, and the conflict between being psychic and, and being in a, um, a profession, which is all evidence-based, and, uh, and how difficult that can be, and, and we shared some of that that conflict and, and the information between us in our, both our professions. But subsequently to our last conversation, um, your book, The Evidence of Eternity, has been submitted, has it not, for a Pulitzer Prize? Tell me yes, about that. Yes, it has. It was such a, <laughs> talk about a wonderful, wonderful surprise. Um, I received a notification from Columbia University in New York City that uh, Evidence of Eternity has been submitted for a Pulitzer. And, uh, you know, I'll hear more about uh, if it made the nomination shortlist in, in uh, 2016, but it's just such an honor to be, to be in, that, uh, in that, that class. Absolutely. And, and to be recognized, you know, internationally, really, on, on something that is so meaningful to yourself. It's something that is, from all of your experiences, you, you know, you bring to the table to, to put your heart and soul into this book. Um, and to guide and educate other people, and then for that to be so so well recognized, well done. So whether or not you make the shortlist, you're nominated, and that's amazing. Well, yeah, it just um, it, it it is it's very humbling. It's very humbling because I, I you know when I write a book, uh, I don't just pop out books. It takes me a while to write it because I spend years doing the research and compiling the stories, and I want to make sure that it's something that the reader is going to enjoy on several levels. And the way I look at it, Julie, as I'm writing and, and telling the story, if I can't feel it, if I can't be moved by it emotionally, spiritually, or intellectually, then how can I expect my reader to, to have that type of reaction as well? Definitely. So for the for some of our listeners won't have listened to the previous show, so they won't know maybe of you as well as others. And your book. So tell us a little bit about your book and how it came to be and, and what led you to writing it and, and how, it, how it, it felt to finish the book, to get to the last page. Evidence of Eternity is, is the research that I've been compiling for, for several years. And it is explaining how spirit communication is a reality based on science, theoretical physics, human physiology, evidence, and how science and religion and, and faith are not polar opposites, but rather that they're, they're on the same page. So evidence of eternity bridges the gap between the scientific and the spiritual. And it's also introducing new terms and concepts to bring our understanding 
of spirit communication out of the Victorian era. And the reason that I say that, that Julie, is, is first off, Britain gets a huge, huge amount of credit for our understanding of spirit or communication because for the last almost century and a half uh, in the UK, the British have been studying spirit or communication as a science. And then it caught on in the United States and it's catching on in other parts of the world. The problem is there, were, there was this tremendous upsurge of interest between 1850 and, let's say, about 1920, and that sort of um, stagnated. And so the terminology and our understanding of it is all explained in arcane and Victorian terms. So what I'm yeah. doing is I'm redefining spirit communication based on our advanced understanding of quantum physics, frequency, energy transfer, and telecommunications. So I am explaining things in terms of the Internet age as opposed to the Victorian era. So bringing, um, helping people to understand it in today's language. Uh, absolutely. And there's also uh, new concepts and terms that I'm introducing, one of which, it, for example, is multiple meaning messages. And what that means, Julie, is during spirit communication, I may see, or any medium, will get a vision or hear something or yep. a piece of information is presented. And when you start analyzing it, it has more than one level of significance. And I yes. started seeing that this was happening, not only to me, but to other mediums that I observed. And I started studying frequency, and all of a sudden it clicked. And I says, oh, my gosh. It's like when the military sends a transmission from, you know, base A to camp B, and it may say, like, okay, here's today's general orders. But then piggybacked on top of that transmission are five or six other encrypted messages all yeah. within that same frequency band. And I started seeing that spirits do the same thing. And they're not trying to encrypt it. It's simply the nature of spirit communication. And, and to, to, to simplify it, you and I right now are communicating using auditory frequency, and we're sending one concept back and forth to each other. Yeah. A spirit is not limited by a finite body, so they can hit me with 10 or 12 or 20 concepts at once, and that's simply the nature of a waves of frequency being emitted from one uh, spiritual entity to, to somebody here in the material world. So as a, as a medium or a psychic, how do we make sense of all of those frequencies coming in? It, it, takes, uh, it takes a lot of observation, a lot of practice. In fact, today um, I, I had a reading where, where something came in and it had, um, okay, it was um, candy apples. And I know candy apples sound funny, <laughs> okay, um, but I said I'm seeing candy apples. And, and uh, it was the, the client, it was her father's spirit who was communicating. She said, and I said, normally when I see candy apples, to me that means the month of September because as, as a medium, you have to realize that there are certain symbols that you're going to see in, you know, over and over, and they have certain levels of significance, but you can't limit it to that. And the client said, well, yeah, my father died in September. But she said, but that also makes a lot of sense because when I was pregnant, I kept craving candy apples. And, and she said, and I just bought a car that's candy apple red. <laughs> it's like, okay. So her father was saying, okay, yes, I died in September. I know that you were craving candy apples when you were um, pregnant with my grandchild. And I know that you just bought a Corvette that is candy apple red in color. So... So I started seeing that because spirits are not limited 
to our, our three-dimensional world, they're capable of transmitting a lot more information. And so that's why during reading, people need to realize that everything that comes through may not immediately make sense, and the things that do, it may have, um, each message may have several uh, facets and levels of significance to it. And I, I, I mean, I, I experience that, and I, and I fully understand and, and believe in that. And I think sometimes where we're kind of damned if we do and we're damned if we don't, because actually, if somebody can make more sense of one phrase like candy apples, people will say, well, that's kind of vague, because it's you're just kind of hitting all different, all different um, subjects. So you've got the car in there, you've got the month in there, you've got the passing in there, as opposed to being very specific. So people may argue that that, is, that feels more vague in terms of readings, um, whereas, as you, you know, rightly said, spirit will get as much information over as they can to evidence their existence without um, you know, lengthy sentences, because that's not how they communicate with us. They, they, you know, those symbols are very poignant. And that's correct. And, and of course, Julie, as you correctly pointed out, there's always going to be the, the skeptics who want to tear apart everything. And actually, a true skeptic is open-minded and wants to hear information. It's the cynics that just want to shoot everything. Oh, that's a vague, you know. Well, the fact of the matter is I don't pull random, you know, desserts and treats out of thin air to throw at people, okay, if it's presented to me. And until you experience it on a level like you or I do or somebody who is receiving a reading from us, um, it, it's really hard to, to completely understand the full impact of what's happening. I mean, I was in, in Arizona recently on a, on a book signing tour and a speaking tour. I was doing a gallery reading in, in Tucson, Arizona at the Unity Church. And this woman stood up and her son came through. And apparently he had um, taken his own life, and I ex explained how I was feeling this. And all of a sudden I said, Eiffel Tower? Okay, we're in Arizona. Okay, they don't normally talk about the Eiffel Tower in Paris. And she goes, oh, my God. She says, my son and I, we went on this um, um, trip to France, and we were in the Eiffel Tower, and I got in a big fight with this lady. She goes, it was so out of character for me. Okay, so, so that, that reference to the Eiffel Tower was her son transmitting to me a shared memory that immediately made sense with her. Now, skeptics say, oh, he's just throwing an Eiffel Tower. Well, why didn't I say Statue of Liberty or London Bridge? That's because he didn't give me those, and she didn't have an association with those other things. And so what a skilled and experienced medium has to do is make sure that you don't immediately jump to conclusions and, and make assumptions. Um, yeah. and, but that you present the evidence, and then you know it's up to the client uh, what what they do with that. Yeah, definitely. I always say to people before, when I go on stage, I always make a great point of saying, do not make leaps of faith just because you want a reading. You know, don't don't think if I say um, I'm getting this name, and it's like for example David. Do not jump to oh yeah yeah it must must be Dean. Dean, yeah, that's it, that's the one, because people are so needing that information, they're ready to kind of make these huge jumps, um, in, in, and it's misreading the information that you're giving. Um, and likewise, when you're giving a reading and you're getting that information, it's very um, important that we don't, and I use this term to make it as simple to understand as possible, to humanize it. 
because we try and make sense of it. And if we try and make sense of it and then put that information out there, chances are it's completely wrong because we, we've put our own spin on it. We've put our own thoughts and beliefs and values, etc. trying to make sense of something. We just have to give what we get. Yeah, that's exactly true. Um, and, you know, you've got to be very careful about about jumping to conclusions and making assumptions and letting your mind fill in the blanks. And one of the best examples, uh, I was on a um, television show in in uh, here in the States, and it was a local cable cable show in Long Island. And the host of the show was a medium, and she's really just a wonderful person, but um, very, very eager, very, very eager. And so when I was doing readings on audience members, there was this one woman I was drawn to, and I started describing an older male coming through, and I saw a badge, and I said a uniform, and she said, well, my father, he died of a heart attack. No, no, she didn't say how he died because I didn't get that. I said, I'm seeing a badge and a uniform, and she said, yes, my father was a police officer. And I said, and I hear the word shots. Mm. And before I could say anything else, the medium who was the host of the show jumped up. She goes, I heard shots, too. He was shot in the line of duty. And before I could say anything else, the client and the woman in the audience said, well, no, he was at a bar doing shots of tequila with his friends, and he got a stroke and died. <laughs> and, you know, funny, but not funny for the medium. And after the show, we were talking, and, and she said, wow, I really jumped to conclusions there. And I said, that's why you have to be careful, because he was a police officer, and we heard shots. It's very easy to let your mind fill in the blanks and jump to the conclusion that he must have been shot to death in the line of duty instead of doing, you know, shots tequila with his friends, which triggered a, triggered a stroke. It's funny how the human brain works, isn't it? When we read, we put in words. We don't need all the words that we've got on the page because our brain will, will fill the words in. Um, when we mix up letters, we can still work out what the what the word is meant to be and read a whole paragraph of, of what would be gobbledygook to somebody learning the language. And likewise, when we are receiving um, information from spirit, we do the same thing. Where we have to be so mindful of it. Exactly. So, so, Mark, since I last spoke to you, I mean, I've had the fortune of speaking to you and and, and knowing a little bit about you and how, how you came to be um, in, in the field that you're in. But for the sake of the listeners, uh, how did you develop your gift? And at what point did you think, actually, the, the lawyer bit has to take a backward step now because this is my calling. This is what I need to be doing. And and then you, you kind of mapped out your future and following that different pathway. That, that's a really good question, um, Julian. I'm, I'm glad that you asked that. Um, for the people who know me, um, um, they know that, that I'm a fourth-generation psychic medium. And that, yeah. in other words, this runs in my family. So if the people don't now, you know that. <laughs> and uh, both my mother and my father have uh, mediumistic abilities. Um, my mother has, has since gone to the other side. My dad, he's still here. And I've always had it. I mean, when I was four years old, I started communicating with spirits. And my parents were very, very decent about it by not chastising me and explaining that this is something that not everybody does. And, you know, I remember my dad saying, please just talk about it to me, Mark. Don't, don't talk about it outside the house because people won't understand. So that was kind of our, our code, if you will. And then when I was practicing law, uh, the attorneys that I worked with were always like, you always seem like you kind of have this sense 
of of things in the courtroom that that other people don't see. And I never really thought anything about it because, you know, I live with me, so I don't think it's weird or different or unusual. But as as I I got older, um, my psychic and mediumistic abilities started intensifying to the point where I was seeing spirits constantly and picking up on, on spirits around people. So it was one of those situations where that old expression, when one door closes and another opens, um, the door didn't open. It got ripped off the hinges, and they kicked me in the butt right down the road. <laughs> and, and I didn't have have a choice on this, and it became a calling. And it's funny because friends of mine who are in the clergy talk about having a calling, and I never really thought about having a calling, and now I know what they mean. And so I still work as a legal analyst in high-profile murder cases, and I'm the go-to guy in uh, radio and TV interviews where uh, there are cases that have paranormal implications, such as like people using the demonic uh, possession defense in murder or folks trying to sue to get out of a contract for sale of a house because it's haunted or ghost hunter liability or things like the Slender Man stabbings, and we could go on and on and on with those. Um, so I'm, I'm the go-to guy in, in the media world for, for that area. Um, so, so I still keep, keep abreast of legal developments because you know, that's, that's also one of my great loves. But I realized that it was time to use my ability as a medium to help people cope with with uh, with death. And that's that's where you really kind of come into your your own mark, isn't it? Because that's your area of expertise, um, helping people to to manage and deal with grief. Um, so, at what point did you realize that was kind of your specialism? It was actually. Um, Right after my mother died, I started going to grief counseling at uh, at a local church, a local Catholic church, because I was raised Catholic. And people, you know, say to me, "Well, why do you need grief counseling? You're a medium." It's like, what people need to understand is, just because I'm a medium doesn't mean I'm immune to pain and suffering when when someone I love dies. But I did notice um, that I w- I seem to be recovering, if you will or progressing rather faster than other people in the group. And then the when I would go to these grief counseling groups, I started telling people, oh, well, your mother would like you to know this and your father would like you to know that. And if your son were here, he'd want you. And people would be looking at me like, how do you know this? And, and the facilitator of the group, and she was from Ireland, and she was really sweet. She goes, Mark, you can't be doing this. <laughs> she can't be seeing spirits. And I said, but, you know, we're in a Catholic church. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? And, and she said, well, you know what I mean. So I, I decided to stop stopped going, and then about a month later, this elderly woman who was in the group, and I remember she was well into her 80s, and her husband of 60-some-odd years had died, and she came up to me in, in the grocery store, and she says, hello, Mark, and I said, hey, how you doing? And she took me by the hand, and she said, you made us feel better. Would you come back to the grief group? Wow. And it was very touching, and it was at that time I realized that I needed to help people but not be confined by a church or an organization or a religion or whatever telling me you can't say this, can't do this, can't think that, can't believe this. And that's why I wrote my first book, Never Letting Go. And it was during the Never Letting Go book tour um, when people were asking me very profound questions about the nature of the other side, how spirit communication works, about reincarnation, animals having soul, 
Soul's uh, issues about suicide and losing a child, and that was the genesis for creating Evidence of Eternity. And then I suppose from there, what happened next? Then it, it was really, you know, really strange and, and wonderful strange because it's like, it's like being in a, in a boat that you're trying to paddle uh, upstream against the current, and no matter yeah. how hard you paddle, you can't do it. And just turning the boat around and going with the stream, which sometimes leads you over you know, rapids and <laughs> over waterfalls, but I realized that I just had to go with this because apparently this is, is my life plan and the direction I was supposed to go in. And all of a sudden, I started getting invited to be on radio shows and television shows, and, and I began to speak um, to, to groups uh, at afterlife conventions and paranormal conferences. And I realized that everything that had happened to me in my life all led up to this point. And my years of experiences as a trial lawyer and my ability to speak to people and to take complex um, concepts and explain it in everyday language there was all a reason for all of that. And, and Julie, it's not that I sit around going, oh, this is my plan. We all have a plan, and we all have a, a reason for being here and a purpose in life. It's just I feel very blessed to, I think, have figured out what mine is. Wow. I mean, going from you know, fourth-generation medium with all that experience and support and understanding from your parents, which can be absolutely critical, can't it, in, in, in terms of our development, and understanding the differences between um, maybe how what we are experiencing to what somebody who maybe isn't as sensitive is experiencing, to studying, qualifying as a lawyer, and then specialising in those kind of really high, high, um, highly visible cases, very complex cases in the world of law, and and then looking at how you then support people going through one of the most you know, tragic times of our life when we're experiencing grief and going through all of those emotions and that understanding of what that brings to the table for people and, and how that really influences our our life path going forward when we've lost somebody so special. That's that's a huge accomplishment and to have also then fitted in the time mark in your spare time to put put forward two books, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. We're going to take a short break and then when we come back we're going to Try and find out a little bit more about Mark as Mark and find out what Mark does in the spare time. So there's got to be some sort of spare time, Mark, where you just kick back and chill. I'm not sure where you're fitting it in. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Mark's tour and where that's taken him and some of those experiences that he's, he's um, experienced over the, the, the course of that tour. Here with me, and I still have Mark Anthony, who is also known as the psychic lawyer or the psychic attorney, and he has two amazing books out, and Never Letting Go and The Evidence of Eternity, one of which, The uh, um, Evidence of Eternity, has been put forward for a uh, Pulitzer Prize, which is an amazing accomplishment, and um, from everybody on, on the show and producer Al, I'm sure, we say a very big well done to Mark because we appreciate that that has been blood, sweat and tears into this book which has brought together all of Mark's experiences and, and it helps us to understand them in a scientific versus kind of spiritual sense which is really what we need. 
So, Mark, you've been amazingly busy since we last spoke. You've been doing the evidence of a um, eternity tour. So tell me where have you been? What have been those experiences? Oh, it's it's been incredible. I've been all over the U.S. Um, I've been to on uh, book tours. I've done two tours of California, two tours of Georgia, New York, Arizona, um, uh, Washington State. Um, I'm getting ready to do my next uh, Texas tour, um, Colorado. Um, it, you know, I've just it's just been all over, and, and then I'm getting a lot of uh, radio and television interviews, and in, in all of these. Uh, locations, and then of course in between that I'm doing readings. Most of the readings I do are by the telephone because my clientele is worldwide, and because yeah. spirits are, are pure consciousness and they move at light speed, so they can zip back and forth between um, you know between me and, and the client. Uh, so so I'm doing a lot of readings, and, and um, you know people keep asking when are you can write your next book. And I said well you know I'm always working on something, but right now I'm concentrating on promoting Evidence of Eternity because it's only been out seven months and it's just uh, maintained bestseller status um, on three different categories in Amazon and uh, it's been doing doing very well. Um, and in between that I try to try to keep myself in as good a shape as possible and eat right and do all the things you're supposed to do. <laughs> so I've been pretty busy. I've been pretty busy. You've kind of just left your home and you're traveling around um, which must seem, you know, a little bit of a whirlwind and for those of us who follow you on Facebook um, we see the pictures going up of you in various locations looking um, happy and relaxed but I'm sure that, that is an incredibly um, you know tiring tour to do so that leads me to think about your resilience as a person and who you are as a person Mark because you have such a belief in what you do that that must be the driving force you fit so much into your life um, up to date that something has to keep you going. So who is Mark? Tell me a little bit about Mark. If you had to describe yourself to me in a few sentences, what would you say about yourself? Um, well, I, I love what I do. And the way I look at it is when you love what you do, you're, you're never really at work. I mean, I mean, granted, you know, there's a lot of effort and a lot of energy, and it, you know, I have long days, and it can be very tiring. But um, if I, I've decided that I need to spend my life doing something I love that helps people, and I've always thrived on on helping people, and I like to teach. I like to teach, and and I like, um, I guess, my role in helping people heal. I don't necessarily consider myself a healer as more of a facilitator. Um, I like to think of myself as an adventurer. To me, there is, is no country, no adventure, no, no place that I don't want to learn about and see. Um, and, and I, you know, I've been all over the world, but I want to go to more places. And I find uh, traveling and finding out evidence of the afterlife and how different cultures and people view that is simply fascinating. So I guess um, to describe myself is, to me, one lifetime isn't enough. <laughs> you know, it's like um, it, it's uh, I just like to absorb information and, and then have some time to reflect on it and process it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the most probably the most random question you've been asked for a while. Um, so in terms of finding out a little bit more about the real Mark, as Mark, not Mark Anthony. 
If I had to give you a choice between the two films, what one would you choose? The new Star Wars or James Bond? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I said... Every every guy wants secretly... I think every man secretly wants to be James Bond. But the idea of being able to go into outer space and see things beyond this realm, I'm going to have to go with the new Star Wars. Ah, boo! I was going with Bond. <laughs> and that, of course, that that film's um, due for release very soon, isn't it? Star Wars. They've just released the trailer. I hear today. Yeah, I understand. It's a real big deal, and I just love seeing Harrison Ford back back in the the pilot seat of the Millennium Falcon. So yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess I could see myself, you know, in the seat next to him shooting and stuff. Um, but you know, it, it's funny because you know we we have these fantasies where you go off and, you know, you're shooting alien ships, but I certainly wouldn't want to hurt anybody, you know, yeah. and I think that that's a big part of the problem in, in culture today where we're seeing so many of these uh, episodes of, of mindless violence by children and young people bringing guns into public places and shooting people, and I'm wondering if all these games and this, this violence uh, saturation is affecting them on a very, very negative level. Yeah, definitely. There's a... Um Certainly in the field that both you and I work in, we will both see those traits coming through and um, and children and young people who are um, or have been um, ex- exposed to uh, violent games, violent videos from a very young age, normalise it. We know that we become desensitised to things. Um, it's funny, we were talking the other day at work about how we were... We go into families and um, we, we can see um, professionals becoming desensitized to what they see and desensitized to the experiences maybe of families. And yet we will go into the office and somebody will show us a tracking uh, system or a spreadsheet that says these things, these tasks are in the red, they're overdue and there's like a shock horror element. Um, and how, you know, obviously they are far less important than actually how we work with with families and and individuals uh, but we become so desensitized and it's the same thing isn't it you watch young young kids um cause some horrific crimes um on the back of um normalizing and becoming desensitized to to life and living yeah i I, i've seen that not only in my work as a medium but also as an attorney yeah definitely uh, yeah the the cold and callousness um which is which is really sad, but you know, on the other hand, I, I meet a lot of wonderful people who are kind, compassionate, warm. So I don't take a completely fatalistic view towards humanity. I think that there always is hope, and I like what the Professor Stephen Hawking said: "Wherever there is life, there is hope." And I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that. And so you know, it's very easy to think that, oh my God, we're in this terrible time, and in. in in history, you know, ISIS and the economy and the horrors going on all over the world. But if you've ever opened up a history book, when has it not been like that? That this has always been going on. It's just now because of our, our telecommunications and and uh, mass media, we're aware of it. Um, but in the end, um, I think that that the taking the higher road eventually wins out. I mean, what would Gandhi say? There have always been murderers and tyrants, but they always fall in the end and the way of love wins out. So, you know, I, I kind of think Gandhi was on to something. 
Mm, absolutely. Um, have you heard of Carl Pilkington? I'm sorry? Have you heard of a gentleman? Is a, I suppose he's a very dry comedian called Carl Pilkington. No, I haven't. It's, um, it's, it's definitely um, worth grabbing his book and reading it or having a look at one of his um, TV shows when you get a chance. He's just a very kind of philosophical um, guy who questions every little part of life. And there was a, a, a wonderful podcast um, recently of him talking about um, conflict and war and humanity. And, and he was saying, well... Does, does it not come a time? Do you not think that maybe we just developed too much and we should just stay where we are? We should never have developed planes, etc., because that's how, you know, we don't. We've, we've got now. We've developed to the point where wars are so um, strategic. There, we just before we'd get on a boat and just kind of go somewhere and then and cause a bit of chaos and come back if we were lucky. He said, and now we've evolved and we're we're just targeting people now. He said, it's it's maybe we should never have developed. To, to get to that point and whilst it was a completely mad view there was when you really think about what he's what he's talking about and how he's talking about how our own development is our worst enemy at times and uh, and and you know really in terms of his own people find him funny because he is dry and he just questions everything and they think he's a little bit stupid maybe but actually there's a lot of thought provoking comments he makes um, and sometimes, you know, we, we, we can, our own development, our own, um, I suppose, um, inadequacies really don't help us as a society and we just don't think things through sometimes. But as you said, there are so much, so much good things out there as well and so many people who are, who are supporting and trying to make the world a better place. Um, so, uh, yeah, swings and roundabouts, but wow, some of the, uh, the comments this guy makes is, is very, uh, very poignant. So just just moving on from, from that a little bit, I, I just want to um, talk now about your future, Mark, and what, what the future holds for you. So you're going to do the Evidence of Eternity tour. You're going to complete that. Um, you won't know anything more about the, the prize until next year. But what's up for you in the meantime? What, what are your plans well, um, I'm, I'm working with uh, some producers in, in throughout the country, and we've come up with a proposed television show, and I can't really discuss the details of it. So we are, are, are shopping a television show right now. Um, so I'm very interested in that because, you know, when you ask, you know, what do I like to do, I've always been interested in film and television production. In fact, at one point during my legal career, I was actually practicing entertainment law, and I had considered for a time leaving the practice of law to go into maybe directing and producing. Mm -hmm. and, um, and and right now that's that's what I'm doing, but for, for a television show project. So I've got that in the works. Um, it looks like the Evidence of Eternity tour will continue into 2016. And um, I'm going to continue speaking at conferences and expos throughout the country and, and doing lectures. And... Um, and, you know, I, I will probably start work um, on a third book toward, toward mid to late uh, 2016. Right now I'm in the research and the uh, compiling stories phase. So basically there's, there's a lot going on. I've always got a, a film and, and uh, video projects going on. 
Um, there's people talking to me about maybe doing a line of, of cards, uh, inspirational cards, and uh, you know, but there's only so much of me to go around. <laughs> so, so I have to keep focused on on the work as a psychic medium and as a public speaker and as an author. So, what do you do in your downtime, Mark? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> uh, downtime. Um, I love to watch movies. I love movies and. Uh, I like action, adventure. I love period films. I mean, I hate to admit this, but I love Downton Abbey. I think Downton Abbey is so cool. And uh, there's a new one on uh, PBS, BBC, was it called Indian Summers, um, yep. which takes place in British India, which I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying. And I like things like Boardwalk Empire. Um, I, I like Homeland. You know, I like a lot of the cable shows um and movies i love to uh, like recently i i took a long weekend and i went to south beach miami uh which is an incredible place so if, if anyone's ever visiting florida you really should go to south beach miami because it, it's a it's a culture all unto itself with the art deco buildings and i love architecture so i went on a walking tour an architectural walking tour and to me that sounds boring but i found it so fascinating and mm. there was this one building and i'm looking at it and I go, I've seen this before. And the uh, the tour guide said, oh, well, this was designed by, I forget the guy's name, in 1937. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, my God, it's the Daily Planet from Superman. And Superman, DC Comics, Superman came out right around 1937. And I said that to the tour guide. And he looked at it and he goes, oh, my God, it is the Daily Planet. You know, so putting pieces of the puzzle together. And it's like, yeah, the Art Deco movement, if you look at Batman, uh, Gotham City is supposed to be New York. That's all, you know, um, Art Deco, but sort of the darker Gothic look to it. And then yeah. Metropolis is Chicago, okay? And, and now we're putting it all together. And then South Beach, it's so colorful. And you've got, like, U.S. culture, the Caribbean culture. You've got this really, um, you know, hot, popping type of thing. And the food there is incredible. You know, so I like to, to go on, on trips like that to places that are out of the ordinary for me. Um, and then, honestly, uh, Julie, there are days I just like to take a walk in a, in a nature sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And I just find nature so healing and, and so calming. Um, it was fortunate in my recent tour of, of Seattle, all the leaves were changing. You know, I live in Florida, you know, so, you know, we do have some, some, a little bit of that, but not very much. But in Seattle, it was breathtakingly beautiful. And then um, a couple of weeks before that, I was on tour of Arizona, and I went to the Saguaro National Forest, which is those big, funky cactuses that you always see in, uh, in you know, westerns and Clint Eastwood movies. And, and uh, it, I just love doing stuff like that, you know. So getting out in nature and seeing, seeing uh, uh, um, environments that, that are new and different for me, absolutely love it. I think I'm very lucky living in the UK with the seasons that we have and we, you know, we see the whole, you know, we have the, the summer and, and the whole contrast to winter. And, and as you said, that, that autumn feeling with the leaves falling and changing the color and it's just beautiful. Very it, it really is. It, it is. And, 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 uh, yeah, I love the UK. Um, I've been over there a number of times. Um, it is such an amazing country. Um, and, and, and I love, I love the people in the UK, um, the most resilient, the most, um, interesting, stoic and hysterically funny people have got to be in the UK. <laughs> it's, just, it's just great. 
When do you think you're 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 back here? Oh, I would love to do a uh, a speaking and, and uh gallery reading tour of of the UK. Um uh, you know, I'm I'm talking to a couple of my friends that are mediums that, that are over there, so who knows, it could be two thousand sixteen, could be two thousand seventeen, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Um I'd love to be back over there. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I, you know, absolutely. You know, give me a shout when you're over, and um, it'd be great to meet up. Hey, Mark. So we've spoken about your your books, and I know that um, I'm sure they benefit particular people. And and so, who do you think would be the, the most benefit of your books? I think that, especially with the holidays coming up, people are many people are are facing uh, their their first holiday season without their loved ones. And so never letting go and evidence of eternity uh, would be the ideal gift for someone you know that is coping with the loss of a loved one through the holidays. When, when we lose people close to those holidays, it's just such a, a poignant reminder, isn't it? And, and especially when it's celebratory holidays and people are, in, you know, enjoying and, and people, you know, forget, I think, that some people are, for them, it's one of the most traumatic times of the year. It, it is. In fact, on my website, evidenceofeternity.com, there is a grief management page, which is a free resource uh, open to everyone. And there are several coping strategies, what to say and not to say to someone uh, dealing with grief. There's an expose on the immortality of the soul and what other religions um, in, throughout the world believe about it. There are affirmations, there are prayers, and so this is a resource that I refer to as grief management that is free free and open to everybody on evidenceofeternity.com. And there's also in my blogs, I write about today is not that day is the name of one of my blogs, and it specifically addresses uh, the firsts, like the first Christmas, the first Hanukkah, the first New Year's, the first birthday of the person, anniversary of their death. So all of these... Um, resources are available on my website under the grief management page of evidenceofeternity.com Thanks Mark and where can people see you next so you're in this amazing tour you've been to some fantastic places but what's coming up for you Well in um, uh, October 28th and 29th I'm going to be in Houston I'll be on Great Day Houston the CBS TV morning show and then that night at Body, Mind and Soul uh, both the 28th and the 29th, I'll be doing uh, gallery presentations where I'll be doing readings for audience members. And then I'll be in New York City Friday, December 4th, and Saturday, December 5th at the Edgar Casey Association for Research and Enlightenment, the Edgar Casey Center of New York City. They're doing a special two-day event. I'll be giving a lecture on rulers, royals, psychics, and spirits. And it's a really fun, uplifting, and it's a, it's, it's a free event on Friday, December 4th, and then on Saturday, December 5th, I will be doing a mediumship uh, presentation where I'll be conducting audience members with loved ones in spirit. And then, of course, I'll, I'll be um, doing uh, gallery reading and, and mediumship demonstrations in Florida, and if people want to find out more about these events and my tour schedule, they can just go to my calendar of events on evidenceofeternity.com and please feel free you can do this on my, my website follow me on Facebook just click on the Facebook logo and that will keep you up to date on everything that I'm doing 
Okay, so just to repeat that website for everybody, it's www.evidenceofeternity.com and all of Mark's uh, resources from grief management to his tour guide so that you're able to join him um, around the, the States um, either at his lectures or, or at his mediumship events. Um, they're all listed on there so you'll know exactly where he's going to be. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're very welcome. God bless. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.